Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey guys, happy Easter slash Resurrection Sunday. Can we give it up one more time? Thank God for what he did for us. It's amazing. This is my 40th Easter as the pastor of BC, and I must say, it, it's exciting. It's just exciting. It never loses what it has, guys. It's just an amazing weekend. Um, we thought it would be cool to begin a new series today called Searching. And throughout this series, we're going to take a look at different things we search for. But we had a perfect first lesson that's all about Easter. So it, it will be connect to this wonderful Easter message. Um, but you know what I, I came to find out, which really surprised me? Every day on Google, which is the largest search engine, every day there's 8.5 billion searches. And I think that's absolutely huge and amazing. More people than live on the planet. Of course, some of us search more than one thing. And people search to find out where should I eat, directions, right? Uh, I don't know about you, but Gina and I search Google to just find out who's right on a debate we have, you know, and uh, we, we'll go back to our childhood 70s, you know, and 60s, and and uh, I'll have my facts, she'll have hers, and she'll tell me I'm wrong, I'll tell her she's wrong. Then we Google it, and I'm so proud to say, honey, I'm sorry, I know you're right here, but um, I'm proud to say that 90% of the time, she's right, just <laughs> 90% of the time. <laughs> she has a better memory than me, she, she can just remember all kinds of things. But it's just an amazing tool, and I titled today's lessons Soul Searching, and we just want to talk about uh, how our souls are searching, and us Christians, we found what we were searching for, but sometimes we take our focus off of it and we kind of forget, but most of us don't, and most of us remind ourselves. But I got to thinking about first man, Adam and Eve, the garden, and I just want you to think about what was going on at that time. Before God ever created the universe, it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and the Son was Jesus. And no time existed. It was in that eternal realm, and uh, they were just up in heaven, and they decided to make the universe. And the universe is like a timepiece, right? The earth goes around the sun, and we have a year, and we have the four seasons. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited. We, we've come into spring, and it's going to be warmer and warmer, uh, nicer and nicer. I found out I wanted to plant my tomatoes, and I found out May 20th in northeast Ohio if, if you don't want the frost to get it, so unless you cover them. So uh, May 20th, I can't wait to plant some tomato plants, right? But uh, God made the earth, the universe, and then he created man, and I just want you to think about how perfect it was because the Bible says he put them in a garden. So they're in this beautiful garden and he asked them to tend it. We'll talk about that in a moment. But here they are in this perfect garden and the earth was perfect at the time, guys. Um, it didn't even rain. There, there was an irrigation system, you know, and the Bible says water came up from the earth and watered everything, so it never rained. Experts tell us the temperature probably was 75 degrees every day of the year with zero humidity. So I want you to think about that. That's like you won't sweat in that, and it's perfect. You can swim in it. You won't sweat in it. So it's just this perfect atmosphere. And then, guys, um, the mosquitoes 
Ghosts didn't bite human beings. Isn't that cool? I, I, I wondered, what did they eat? I think they, they, they sucked on uh, blood oranges, you know, because if you ever had a blood orange, they're just super red on the inside. But the Italian mosquitoes probably uh, fed off of tomatoes. You know how those Italians are. So, so they're feeding off of tomatoes. Lions, tigers, and bears, they were vegan. They were. They didn't eat any, any meat. And they had the disposition of a Labrador retriever. Just think about that. And so you could run with the wolves and uh, you could lay down at night and go to sleep with your head on a tiger. This is what Adam and Eve are doing. This is where they live. Snakes didn't have venom. It was just this most perfect, beautiful world. And then God gave them purpose. He said, I want you to tend this garden. And it wasn't a garden like in our backyard. It was like a forest preserve, right? And they also had, you know, different plants in there too. He said, I want you to tend it. And guys, they had purpose. He said, you see the animals? I give you authority over them. You see all the fish of the sea? I give you authority over them. You see the birds here? I give you authority over them. So they had purpose but what made it the most amazing, the Bible says that every night at dusk, God would come down and walk with them. I mean, I think about just face-to-face -face hanging out with God, and I have to ask the question, what more do you need, right? There's, is there anything else? And, and yet there were two trees God made. One was called the tree of life. God never told them they couldn't eat from it. They, they could have taken a bite and received eternal life at any moment. And there was one other tree. It was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it wasn't an apple tree. Gene and I love apples. We have a couple a day. But guys, it was just one tree. There was no other one. And it's right there next to the tree of life. And God says, I don't want you eating that fruit. And that's the only thing they weren't allowed to do, eat that fruit. But the enemy had already fallen from heaven, and he comes and he tempts them. And the enemy's saying to them, oh, God told you can't eat this? That's because if you eat it, you'll become like God, and you'll know the difference between good and evil. So guess what? Even in that perfect paradise, they're searching, and they took a bite of whatever that fruit was. And then the Bible says they died spiritually, and sin came into the world and lions, tigers, and bears began to eat other animals and people. Mosquitoes began to bite us. Disease came. Uh, death came. All these things came into the earth. But here's what's so cool about it. If you Just think about this. Before God made heaven and earth, he's, he's, he's there before there's the universe. And, and God stands above time so he can see the beginning all the way to the end. And so they say, we're going to create mankind. The devil had already fallen from grace. And Jesus probably looked at the Father and says, Father, I know you know this. I mean, you can't surprise God with anything, right? He said, uh, they're going to sin. They're going to eat the fruit. But I'd like to go and be become a man. I'd like to go inside a body, and I'd like to die for them. And I'd like you to put their punishment, their sin on me. And the Father said, so be it. And that's why Jesus came. And on Good Friday... We had our first Good Friday service ever, guys. We did it at the chapel in traditional church, and it was so filled. I mean, they're bringing chairs in and everything else. They had to park over here. They didn't have enough parking over there. And what did they do? Good Friday, they celebrated the fact that God put our sins and our punishment on him, right? And so all of that took place. But then today, what are we celebrating, guys? We're celebrating that he came out of the grave and he's alive and whoever calls on his name will not perish but receive everlasting life. We're celebrating an empty grave and there's nothing like an empty grave. And that's why I love this service. And I have a big idea for this lesson. It's what I want us to walk out understanding 
uh, more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. If we have Jesus, we have everything. And for the majority of us in this room that know Christ, we'd have to agree with that, right? But again, it's easy to lose focus and it's easy to look in the wrong place sometimes and, and we feel like we need more. But most of us know, no, if, you have, if we have Jesus, we have everything. So I wanna tell you two stories. Um, I remember going to Peru and, and Peru is not really a third world nation. Uh, Lima is one of the most beautiful cities. It's just gorgeous. And in Peru, there's a lot of poverty though. And we went to this uh, very poor area and I was chaperoning our students and uh, people lived in these makeshift huts but not like Africa. When I was in Africa, their huts were beautiful. I mean, I'd love to have one of those in my backyard. They were made from dirt, and they, it was just cool. But there, these were just scraps they found everywhere, and they just piled scraps. And they made these, most of them were cardboard. They made a place, and that's where mom and dad and the kids lived. I never saw such poverty in all my life. It was terrible. But, you know, we did a service down there, and the Christians, they were, they were the happiest Christians I ever met. And it just, it just tells us what this big idea is. You know why they were happy in all that poverty? Because if we have Jesus, we have everything. And then I remember I was in Budapest, Hungary, and I was doing a missions trip there. And at the time, it was the Soviet Union. And so they had KBG, KPG or whatever agents everywhere, right? They were all over the place. The pastor had been in jail either four or five times. He wasn't allowed to say Jesus was raised from the dead. They didn't want that said. But he's pastoring this quite large church. They, he had been in prison, I think, at least four times when I was there. And guys, I'm in their worship service, and I just want to tell you, in the West, the Western world, the civilized world, the wealthy part of this world, I never saw such joy as I saw there. They had more joy. Every, every weekend there is Easter, and, and they've discovered if we have Jesus, we have everything. And, and we know that, and we just want to remind ourselves of that. And I got to thinking about people that were searching in the Bible, like the woman at the well, and she was searching for forgiveness. She was searching for a connection with God. And guess what? She came to Jesus and found it, right? It's just amazing to see what... People were searching for uh, uh, Zacchaeus. He was searching to belong, and he was a tax uh, collector, guys. And everybody hated him because he not only collected taxes for Rome, but he took extra for himself. Super wealthy, all the tax collectors was. And so Zacchaeus, he comes to Jesus. Remember, he was short, he gets in a tree, and he finds total forgiveness and total acceptance in Christ. And everybody that comes to Jesus looking they find what they're looking for because if we have Jesus, we have everything. And it reminded me of something the psalmist said, and I think we can relate, most of us here, right? It goes like this. It says, Psalm 63.3, your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. And the psalmist is saying, when I think about the love of God, all I can do is just worship and praise like we did this morning. Why? He says, your love, your unfailing love, it never fails, is better than anything this life can give us. And I think as Christians, all we have to do is focus on God loved us so much he sent his son. Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took our sins. He took everything that we have ever done, everything we will do, anything, anything we've done, guys, and God punished him 
for what we did Good Friday. And then he came out of that grave, and it's sealed, guys, and the blood has been shed. And when we accepted him, that blood cleansed us. It continues to cleanse us. And if we focus on that kind of love, God's accepted us, and God loves us, and we connect with him. Guys, there's nothing in this life that gives you more joy, more contentment than that. But then I got to thinking about the Apostle Paul. This is really, really interesting. Um, God called him to, to finish the Bible. He wrote nearly three quarters of the New Testament. So God told him what to write, and he wrote it, right? And uh, he said to God, because he was more persecuted than anybody that ever lived. So just think about all the prophets in the Old Testament, everything that was done to them. No one was ever persecuted more than Paul. And he said to God, he said, I'd like you to take this thorn in the flesh away from me. I just can't take all this persecution, God. He said, I, I've never seen anybody more persecuted than me. And so he's complaining. And I thought Pastor Everett was here last week. He preached. And if you weren't here, guys, uh, go on YouTube, put Believer's Church Warren, subscribe to our channel. You can listen there. Or our church app, you can listen there on the Believer's Church app or believers.cc, uh, our website. His message was amazing. And in the message, he talked about Paul and the type of suffering he went through. And the thing that really gets me, he was beaten with a whip, you know. And, uh, but the one that gets me is he was beaten with rods three times. And I did some research on that once. You know those rods would be like an aluminum and bat today? And they beat him with aluminum and bats. And one time he was stoned and they, they killed him. The Christians got around him and they prayed. And the Bible says he just walked up. Didn't have to go to rehab, guys. He was just supernaturally healed. And he just went on his merry way. But he's telling God, God, I'd like this to end. And the Bible says, as we read the text, there was a special messenger sent from the devil that was sent to buffet him. The word buffet means to hit him over and over. So we, this, this guy would stir all these religious people up and they'd keep attacking Paul. They'd run him out of towns. And every, every time he tried to establish a church, they came at him. Every time he preached Jesus, they came at him. And he's saying, God, man, can you get this thing off my back? And I know I'm... Speaking right now to people that go through tough things too. We may not be at the level of Paul, but some of you have lost loved ones. That's really tough, that separation, right? Some of you have come out of or maybe going through a broken relationship. Some of you are dealing with financial issues or physical issues, right? This earth just has a lot of storms it throws at all of us. So Paul's saying, I'd like to just have it all go. And then God made this statement. It's a powerful statement, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient. So we thank God for the grace that saves us, but now he's already knows Christ as his Savior, and God's saying, I still have grace. That's God's ability that supersedes our ability, right? It's God's ability that helps us walk through life, and he says, it's sufficient. He says, Paul, you're going to be persecuted because of the call on your life. The enemy knows you're called to write the Bible, so he's going to hit you harder than everyone else. But I have something called grace. It comes because of the resurrection, and it's all you need. He goes on to say, for... For my power is made perfect in your weakness. And the weakness, if you read the verses above, it's all his persecutions, all his trials. And I like this. God's saying, my grace can show up, my power can show up. So the more the enemy attacks you, the more life throws you a curve. He says, there's more power, guys, to give you contentment, peace, and strength to get through anything. He goes on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses or all my troubles and persecutions so that Christ's power may rest on me. He said, I learned something from this. 
And so I'm not an advocate of trouble. Do you know, uh, God, God also uh, said to Paul that I will deliver you from every persecution. He was delivered from every one, guys. Uh, but then sometimes God calls some people to be martyred. And that means you die for your faith. And if you're martyred, the Bible says you receive extra special rewards in heaven. So being the good man that I am, I said to the Lord, I'd rather others get those rewards. I'll pass on that one, Lord. But I do realize, and, I, and I've just read so many books about martyrs, God gives you a grace no matter what has to happen to you. But guys, God says, I'll deliver you. I'll give you power. I'll give you grace. I'll give you the ability to walk through anything that's hitting you because if we have Jesus, we have everything. And I bet there's a bunch of you that could stand up. You could begin to tell me some stories about what Jesus has done in your life. We have four people in our church that talked about their searching story, talked about how in searching they got a hold of God. So I'm going to come back and finish this uh, message, but we're going to listen to what they have to say about searching for God. I lost my mother at the age of 19. And before she passed away, I was on my way home from college and she made a phone call to me. And in the phone call, the only thing she said to me was, um, Faith, I just want you to know I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I know him and I want you to know him too. My mom passed that September before I returned back to school. Um, I didn't follow up on what she had told me. It sort of like went over my head. I lived my own life. Um, I married at a young age of 21. And after 11 years of marriage, the, the marriage was, was failing and it led me to a point of desperation. Having children with um, no help financially, losing everything, losing the house, losing the car, not working. I used to go to camp, hunt, fish, stuff like that. And what happened at camp, stayed at camp, was kind of the family motto. Uh, so I just come home and couldn't get rid of what happened at camp. I smoked my first joint when I was 12, just to be honest, and was uh, doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, maybe some drugs, alcohol, things at uh, right around the 12, 13-year-old range. I was very empty. I felt like I was raised by absent parents. You know, I was raised by my mom and my, my stepdad, and um, my mom was never home. She was always working two jobs. My stepdad was more involved with my brother. Um, and then my biological father wasn't a part of my life. I, he was gone for 15 years of my life and never found out about him until I was a teenager. And so I was constantly searching for some kind of acceptance or love or just to feel wanted. I felt empty inside, like I didn't know what I was searching for, what I was looking for, but I was looking for it. Parents got divorced when I was about 10 years old. I went to church the entire time I was younger and then just kind of quit going to church after parents got divorced. And then you know, got into high school, started partying a little bit, and uh, yeah, just kind of lost my way a little bit. And I just came to a point where I just felt like absolutely miserable, felt like I had really no purpose or meaning in my life, just felt like I was just wandering around through life aimlessly with uh, no, no purpose, like I said, and I was just feeling so miserable and just lost on the inside. Along my journey of searching was drugs, alcohol, sex, outside of my marriage, uh, very badly distorted view of people, of church people, uh, 
I ran and ran and ran and I ran hard. I ended up going into like this addiction with with relationships and men and that's what got me down the path that I went down because it went from abusive relationship to abusive relationship to abusive relationship where I was at the bottom of the bottom until it got me to the point where now God's like, you know what, I'm gonna sit you down because you're not listening to me. You keep going down the wrong path. You think your way is better. Your way is not better. So I'm gonna sit you down. You're gonna find me now because I'm taking it all away from you. So I remember the rock bottom point for me being I was just at a friend's house and just remember in the bathroom by myself and I just looked in the mirror and just uh, you know looking at myself and just you know absolutely miserable just started crying my eyes out just wondering like how did I get to this point in my life and um, you know that was really rock bottom for me and I, I went that entire weekend and just kind of binged the whole entire weekend and then I woke up on a Monday morning and something was just different in my life. It was like someone was just praying for me literally all night long and something just broke. And uh, just remember sitting down, sat in this recliner, I was living at my mom's house at the time and just cried literally all day long. And uh, you know that was a Monday and then uh, started going to Narcotics Anonymous meetings, and then just on Wednesday I went to went to church, and that was pretty much the beginning of it all for me when things started to change for me. It was Easter Sunday coming up that weekend, and I was determined that I was going to have a leg of lamb for Easter. I was going to do this thing up. <laughs> and I remember going out grocery shopping, but ran across a school friend who asked me what I was doing for Easter Sunday, and I said nothing. And she said, well, would you like to come to church with me for Easter? And I said, I certainly would. And that Sunday, Val came to the house, picked me up for Easter, and um, I found myself at the altar that Easter Sunday, receiving Christ Jesus as my Savior, as an adult. And um, I've been walking with Christ ever since. Never would have thought I would have been incarcerated for four years, especially with what they charged me with. I was heartbroken, I was lost, I was angry. And like, how can God, like, how are you doing this to me? Now, now that I know what I know, he didn't do it to me, I did it to myself. I put myself there and he said, well, go ahead, do what you think you wanna do. So um, other inmates there were like, listen, you need to go to church. Like, and I told her, I said, no, God can't help me. I don't want nothing to do with him. He can't help me, he, got, he did nothing for me but get me to where I am. And within two, three weeks, maybe a month, I was in the, I was in the prison ministry. I was serving in the church and I was in church every single weekend, Saturday and Sunday and this December will make four years I followed him straight every single day. And he completely flipped my life around and I found what I was searching for. And I was searching for my father and my savior to give me his unconditional love, his grace, his forgiveness, and all of it. And I search for it and run for it every single day. One of those things that started this whole thing was Tommy Nealon. In conversation with him was like, hey man, I'm willing to be your buddy. You know, and I said, well, can't do that without a beer, you know? And uh, so he said, all right, I'll buy you a case of beer. Really funny thing though, the next day I showed up to church because that was the deal. I'll buy you a case of beer if you come to church with me. Next day he didn't go to church, but I did. And I walked in and uh, something finally, after all these years, just something gripped me. Something, uh, the Holy Spirit started working on me, but I started to feel something that I'd never felt before. I started to feel a truth. 
and a sense of uh, placement. I didn't understand it then, but I prayed and just said, Lord, I really don't understand what you got in store. I don't really understand how you're gonna do this, but if you want me to serve you, then make the way and I'll do so. It's not been a perfect walk, but God has been faithful and um, he's shown me so many things in his word. But knowing that I have his direction and a body that surrounds me to give me hope, encouragement and truth, it's made all the difference. Really, there are no perfect people. And the, the, the minute we begin to just get real with ourselves and get real with, with other people and just forget about what everybody thinks, um, that's when we really begin to experience you know, true, true healing in our lives, just when we get real and we get honest with other people. And, uh, you know, for me, church was the, the perfect place for that. You know, I thought there would be condemnation, but there was only, you know, grace extended to me. And, you know, when I got real, that's when I began to experience healing in my life. Try giving church a chance. I know that for me personally, I didn't, I wasn't able to find the amount of love he has and the forgiveness when I was in my cell reading my Bible by myself. I didn't find it until I was actually around other believers in the church with chaplains and pastors and being taught the word and feeling the ministry and feeling the Holy Spirit just take over and move in the room. And once you start to feel that, it'll just grip you up and it'll take you and you just fall in love with it. Jesus Christ is the really the only true answer. He is the way and he is the life. And the only way to get to the Father is through Jesus Christ. If you're at a point in life where you are just searching and can't seem to find any answers, I would suggest that you would connect with people who are Christ followers because they are followers of truth and truth always rises to the top. There's a lot of lies in this culture and we need truth. Wow. I, I love people's stories, and that, that just was amazing. I want to tell you another story. You can Google and, and check it out. Uh, there was a husband and wife in China, and the man's name was uh, Gu uh, Gung Kao. Gu Gung Kao. And uh, when their child was two years old, their boy, he was abducted. So I just want you to imagine as a father, I'm, I'm a grandfather and a father, you know, Gina and I. And, and um, I, don't, I can't even imagine how that would feel. But uh, human trafficking was heavy where they lived in China. So the police began to search their relatives and friends, the parents. And after about a year, the police said, uh, we're closing this file. We're just not going to, we're not going to find your son. But the father did something that was amazing. He created a banner and he, he said, son, where are you? Dad's looking for you on the banner. And he put it on the back of a motorcycle, his motorcycle. And, and every day after work, he would ride that motorcycle. Guys, for 24 years, he went through nine motorcycles, hundreds of thousands of miles. He would ride with that banner. Son, where are you? Dad's looking for you. And after 24 years, this boy's now 
uh, 26, he saw the banner and he thought, you know what, I think that might be me. He's having some slight memories from when he was two. And uh, they did DNA testing, found out it was him. And here's a picture of him meeting with his father after 24 years for the first time. I don't know about you, but man, when I first saw that, tears just welled up inside of me. But the reason I share this story is it reminds me of God. God's not riding on a motorcycle, but he does have a banner. And you know, the Bible says he's searching for us. And the majority of us listening, we know he searched us out, he found us, and it's amazing. So even if we're not looking for him, he's looking for me. When he found me at 19, I didn't believe he existed anymore. I was angry because at 18, my brother died and I blamed it on God. And I was already far from God, but then I just said, you know what, I don't even believe you exist. But God sent a man with a banner, you know, and, and God worked on my heart like he's worked on so many of our hearts. He's working on some people's hearts even now as I speak. He's just working on hearts. And God does have a banner, guys. Most of us know the banner. Even if we're not a Christian, we see it at sporting events. But I like to add one more verse to it. And here's the banner, John three sixteen: For God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that anyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And I love the next part, verse 17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. And that's the part I love the most, because God could have pointed a finger at me back in my day, or any of the four people we just heard, or any of us, he could have pointed a finger and say, say, Joe, if you don't accept Christ, you're going to hell. Joe, you're a terrible person, because I was a terrible person. I was living a terrible life. I was really far from God. I was searching, right? But he didn't point a finger. He didn't condemn any of us. He said, I came to save you. I know you guys are messed up. That's okay. Jesus died, took your punishment. He died for your sins because we're all messed up, right? And we need a savior. So he died for us. And that banner, man, it's, it's been here in this earth for over 2,000 years. And there's many of you, the majority of you are listening. You've already, God's already found you. You've accepted Christ. There's some listening this weekend. This is your big weekend. I'll never forget, I met Christ, as I said, at 19. I had five brothers. Um, all of them accepted Christ within like six months. My mom within six months. But my dad was a holdout, man. And he just said, I, I don't want your Jesus and I don't want to be a Jesus freak. This is what my dad's telling me. And I'm living at the house, you know. Uh, but on Easter Sunday, we thought he was going to go to our old church all by himself. And we're all going to go to the new church we're going to. And my dad comes out with a suit and tie. He says, I don't want to be alone. I'm going to just go to church with you. And so he hears a message, you know, like we just heard. And at the end of service, the pastor prayed a prayer. And he said, hey, if you accepted Jesus, raise your hand. And I, I was sitting behind my father. It was a packed house. And I'll never forget both his hands went up, guys. God found even my dad who just didn't want to be one of us, right? And there's some folks right now, he's, he's been searching for you. He's been working on your hearts. And this is your week. The rest of us, we're going to just, we're going to celebrate with you because you know what? If we have Jesus, we have everything, right? And so for most of us Christians, we're going to say, you know what, as I go through the week, if they can be happy in Peru, if they can be happy in, in Budapest, Hungary under Soviet rule, you know what? I'm going to focus on his love as I go through this week, and I'm going to focus on his grace is sufficient for me. But can we pray right now? Can we bow our heads, close our eyes, guys? Let's pray. And if you're listening to me right now, here's what I'm asking. I'm not asking if you're a member of a church. 
I'm not asking you if you're baptized as a baby or an adult, all good things. I'm not asking you if you came in here believing God exists or he doesn't. I'm not asking that question. Here's the question I'm asking. Has God, is God t- tugging on your heart right now? Do you believe the scripture, the good news, that he died so you can live? And is your heart being stirred, stirred to say, God, I'm ready to receive Jesus right now? And if so, I would like you to pray with me. And the rest of us in the room, we're going to help you pray. If you're listening online, man, pray with us. Guys at TCI, pray with us. And so we're all going to help you. But if you're praying this for the first time, simply mean it. So let's pray, guys. Those of you praying for the first time, we're so excited for you. And just say this after me. Say, Lord God. I realize I was born sin-stained, and I need a Savior. I repent of my sins, and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven. I accept you as my Savior, and I make a decision this day to follow you. Thank you for taking my punishment and my sins. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.